Welcome to this workshop, this workshop on spirituality and meditation. My name is Mickey. I am a gratefully recovering compulsive overeater and your moderator for this session. Hi. After a moment of silence, would you please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. I will not mind be done. Amen. Step 11 says, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. The format for this session is as follows. We have three fabulous speakers. They are Jane, Joe, and Maggie. Each one of these speakers will speak for 20 minutes each. Following that, we will have 15 minutes of open sharing where you will limit your shares, positive pitches on the topic only, please, to three minutes each. After that, we will have 15 minutes of questions and answers, and Michael here will be passing around an ask it basket, and please write out your questions and our wonderful panel will be very happy to answer them. And very importantly, please, this session is being taped, so whoever comes up to share, including our panel, will need to sign this form, okay? Another very important thing is because we are into serenity now, thank you, I just heard someone do that. Please turn off anything that makes noise, cell phones, pagers, candy wrappers, as they say in the theater, you know, if you're going to do throat lozenges, now is the time to unwrap them. Okay? In addition, it is against our tradition of anonymity to take photos during the meeting, so please refrain from doing so. And once again, the topic for our session is spirituality and meditation, and our first speaker is Jane. Please make her welcome. Hi, I'm Jane, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. And um, I, I think I got this talk topic because um, this has been such a struggle for me, the whole idea about spirituality. And, um, and one of the things I love most of the spiritual practice is meditation. So I'm just going to share a little bit about what it used to be like for me, um, what happened and what it's like now. I, um, I, um, I come from a family who uh, were not religious, my parents. My, they each had come from different religious backgrounds and weren't practicing either. My grandparents were very involved growing up. They were religious, and so I had some exposure to spiritual ideas and religious ideas early on. But for the most part, those were kind of um, uh, poo-pooed and put aside. My parents um, really uh, had rejected all of that. And um, whenever I would come up with any any thoughts about about God or religion, that was immediately kind of dismissed. So I, I learned um, that for me that was something that wasn't cool. It wasn't smart, 
It wasn't something I really wanted to have much to do with, although I longed for some kind of transformation. I was a, I grew up in Southern California, right on the beach in Hermosa Beach. And so a lot of, a lot of our culture was about looking good in a bathing suit and prancing around like that. And um, uh, I had my grandmother, who was a wonderful woman, but a kind of Southern belle, kind of traditional woman, really had a lot of value on being beautiful, being thin, and marrying well, that those were kind of her aspirations for me. So I, I was um, measured a lot and weighed a lot, and I had to have certain proportions and things. Um, I also grew up in a community that was um, kind of artistic, and there was a lot of value on being creative and being intellectual and being brilliant. And so neither being beautiful or brilliant or talented, I, I was... I struggled. I had, um, I was small, short. I, I wasn't really short as a kid, but I uh, always was short and sort of and pudgy. Um, didn't have that elegant body that I dreamed of, of having and never grew into one. Um, I had a terrible skin disease that I was medicated a lot with steroids. So I had, you know, that real puffy, moon-faced look through a lot of my childhood. Uh, plus terrible scars from this skin problem and you know it's just you know disfiguring the whole the whole thing so it was you know I had a learning disability I, I was a mess I, I could not live up to any of my family's um, hopes or wishes for me and I I really longed for some miracle to happen I loved um, the stories like Cinderella and uh, Sleeping Beauty and all of that and I had these fantasies that somehow I would be transformed, the prince would come, I would be kissed, and I would live happily ever after. And what is really sad is I had those fantasies that per persisted in some form, I think, up until my 40s. I, I think until I came to Overeaters Anonymous and maintained that sort of normal body weight, I at some point thought that through weight loss, and through controlling the way that my body looked, that this transformation would occur, and I would be thin, beautiful, and rescued from my suffering. And, and I attributed most of my suffering and problems to the fact that I was short, fat, and not pretty. You know, I really believed in, at some really basic place in myself that that was the case. And I... I, um, I also had an alcohol and drug problem very early. I got sober when I was 21, but I continued with my e in my eating disorder until I was um, about 43 when I finally came to OA in a serious way. I had had um, I had had some experience with you know spirituality and um, looking for a higher power, working to connect some way through the steps in my in my sobriety, and I. You know, I, I, you know I, I do feel that I, I had growth in, in my recovery, even though I was still um, compulsively eating and struggling with um, uh, weight, uh, you know, food restriction, and I had certain periods of anorexia, and then I had binges, and my top weight was um, close to 200 pounds, and my bottom weights were in the 90s, so I, I kind of fluctuated in between those extremes throughout 
my um, adolescence and uh, my adult life. I never weighed the same thing for more than, you know, for months. You know, I was either I was either on my way up or on my way down. I was on every kind of food plan. I would check, after I got sober, I would check in and out of OA, like sort of like a weight watch, free Weight Watchers program with the steps. <laughs> of course, I never really used a sponsor. I never really used the steps. I kind of dismissed, um, I, I, I think I dismissed the seriousness of my eating problem, although it was um, a drag, an, an absolute drag in terms of, any kind of spiritual development or real recovery. Um, I, um, I, 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 you know, because maybe of the, some of the combinations of things I thought I should be um, that never and I never was. I, I had just a terrible low self-esteem um, that you know also has has been, um, you know, been probably the essence of most of my defects of character and acting out and bad behavior my whole life. had tremendous fears about being found out, you know, that my imperfections somehow would be discovered. I was constantly defensive and covering up. And I did that with my body as well. I was constantly, you know, trying to camouflage something about the way I looked. My body and the way I felt about my body really reflected the way I felt about myself. And um, so I ran around really trying to hide, um, constantly aware of my imperfections, constantly aware, fearing that they would be, they would be discovered and seen. And um, so I was very anxious. I, I tended to be very suspicious. I, you know, have been defensive in my relationships. Um, I also um, am kind of... I guess in my anger at myself and the world, very rebellious and obstinate, and very it's very hard for me to take direction. So when I came to OA, some of the first real spiritual experiences I had, and I really believe that meditation is listening to God. Um, the, some of the first spirituality I experienced was beginning to listen to someone else about the food. Um, and and I, I really think of uh, part of, for my experience in meditation today, there's kind of listening to the higher power within me, listening to other people's experience in meetings. I get to a very meditative place listening to other people share in meetings and listening to my sponsor. And then trying to act on the direction that I, that I, that I get, either my own intuitive prompting or prompting from people I seek help from. Um, I had the idea, you know, my idea of spiritual transformation, being kissed by a prince, being thin, beautiful, and transformed, um, I think I I applied to what I thought would happen once um, I became spiritually awakened, you know, that that would, you know, I would get through the steps, I would be transformed, I would be kissed by the prince, and I would never have any any trouble thereafter, <laughs> and of course that that never happened. Um, that the spiritual life is something that has to be lived. It's not a theory. You know that it says that in um, the big book, and that's one of the things that that I have um, become more and more aware of, especially in my recovery from compulsive eating. It took me to um, lose my weight, or you know I 
you know, and keep it off for a period of time, being at normal weight for a few years before I began to really see my defects of character with any clarity because I held on to this idea that somehow my life would be changed once I was thin. It was such a huge kind of delusion that it took that long in recovery, several years, before I could really start to see the truth about who I was and what I was and begin, and I probably don't even have that yet, but began to to see it and understand how I had set myself up for a lot of struggles that I had because I was unwilling to listen, because I was unwilling to take direction, because I refused to live within some kind of integrity that I was always trying to hide, cover up, instead of just be um, who I who I really knew I need. I, should and needed to be to really live out, um, I guess, my sense of truth or integrity with um, the spiritual principles, principles I was trying to practice. So I think through the process of gaining some clarity um, and then trying to live in accordance with that, beginning with the food, is how I see my spiritual development at this point. Um, kind of putting, um, you know, putting into practice these principles. I, um, I have tended to be very irresponsible in my life. Even though on the outside it may not really look like that. I, you know, I've held jobs for years and done things that look like paid my bills, have a house. I'm married. I managed to stay married. Um, that I'm responsible kind of on the outside. But there are many areas of my life where I, I'm not. I tend to over-obligate to things, um, to say, yes, 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 I'll do this, 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 and then have trouble following through because I want to please. I also want to think I can do limitless amounts of stuff. Um, uh, but I've had to try to, to come to terms with the fact that I have limitations, that I, of course, that I'm not perfect, of course, that I am um, just this average Joe Jane, um, that I uh, that I I can only do so much, and I, I I'm not that gifted. Some people can do tremendously more than I do, and I have to be realistic about what I uh, obligate to. I also, you know, kind of flake out even in, in in friendships and things like that. I you know not show up you know at the last minute when I'm supposed to be somewhere. You know, beg off with some other something else has come up, kind of a thing. And I've had to work really hard, not only on staying true in terms of what I, and I struggle with this all the time too, true with what I commit to eat, but true with what I commit to do in the rest of my life. And I really believe that this is going to be an ongoing process and really the root of my spiritual development. I think that that kind of commitment um, in a very um, practical way to recovery is um, how how it happens or how it seems to happen for me, um, not the sky opening up and the and God appearing, kissing me and transforming me into the, somebody else. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I think what's happened is a slow process of acceptance about who I am, what I am, and what I need to to do in terms of living out um, the spiritual life. Uh, in terms of meditation. It's such an important, I mean, it's one of the pieces of program that comes a little bit naturally to me in terms of I don't find it difficult to meditate. 
But um, acting on what I know, that's, like I say, a, another is a difficulty. But trying to stay open to what I'm hearing, um, I still have a hard time taking direction from my sponsor or, you know, really doing the, um, doing the steps. Um, I can give good lip service, but uh, really doing this is where, where I struggle and where I need to pray for help. And to be willing um, uh, to, to, to do God's will. Um, I um, I also love prayer. I mean, that's something that I was not something that I was a, a normal part of my practice in earlier parts of my recovery and spiritual life. But something that has become extremely important to me that I really rely on. You know, talking to God, uh, talking to people, talking to um, Hearing God through other people and through my intuitive self, those are the the ways that I am. Um, they're really essential to my spiritual practice. So that's that's kind of where I am today, and I'm feeling like I've run out. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you, Jan. And now please welcome our next speaker, Joe. Good morning, everyone. My name is Joe. I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I guess I'll just talk about a little bit of how it was like and then what brought me to program and where I'm at today. Um, the compulsive eating started with me probably around like the fourth grade. And I struggled for years between weight and body image and Everything was wrapped up in my weight. Um, it was a big deal to my family, to my mothers, to my aunts, and I got positive reinforcement for losing weight. And I had this message um, just that if my body was a certain size, then I could be accepted, and then life would be good, and you know I'd have the perfect relationship. And they were the messages that I got over and over. And um, Food also throughout most of my life, because there's a lot of things going on in my family. Um, growing up, my parents were miserable together for as long as I could remember. They divorced when I was in the eighth grade. And my mother remarried pretty quickly. My dad did too. And that's sort of a pattern also that I have with relationships. It all sort of goes hand in hand with me. And the way I dealt with the divorce, the remarriages, um, my stepfather was an alcoholic. Um, I was dealing with sexuality issues in high school, was just to eat. That was my coping mechanism. And in the ninth grade, um, I became anorexic. I was an exercise bulimic. I would exercise. It started off like an hour a day, like doing cardio, and then it went up to like more than that. It was a couple hours a day. And there's work ethic issues and work my my great grandparents moved here from Italy so we have some of that, you know, achievement achievement kind of thing. So I was like straight A's and honor roll in high school and, you know, still exercising like a demon. And I remember being my weight has been I've been about three hundred pounds, which is about hundred and twenty five pounds heavier than I am now. I've also been about 30, 35 pounds lighter than I am now, mostly in high school, but at the same height, um, just from exercising and 
getting positive reinforcement that I looked great, like the more I lost and the more I lost. So that was like a message that I kept getting. And food was like a higher power. Um, all food, men, uh, money, jobs, they were all like higher powers to me. And that was what I was taught to, to value. Well, in my family it wasn't. We're supposed to get married to a woman, you know, Italian-American family. But um, that's not quite what happened. And um, so I struggled with diets. I went to a bunch of, you know, commercial programs. I did the pills. I did all of that stuff. And when I got thin or thin enough, um, I was like crazy. I had no coping mechanisms. And no matter what would come up, I would reach for food or a relationship or something um, to get me through because that's the only way I need to numb out. And in my relationships, like if I was dating someone, I always had the food or the weight between me and that person um, because there was something in me that always thought that, you know, there was something wrong with me, I would be left, and the, the excuse I would have, whether I was left or you know, I'd lose a job was, it was the weight, it was because I was fat, and that's why I was um, defective. And there's a lot of that, there's a little bit of that that's still there, it's changed a lot through the steps, but there's still a piece that I'm working on through the steps about that. And my weight had gone up and down, I was like 138 pounds in, in the ninth grade, and by the time I graduated I was in the 200s. And um, I learned about, through most of college, I was about 265 pounds. So I was using food, I was in a relationship, and I was using a lot of stuff um, during college. And food was my main drug of choice. And um, I learned about OA in 1990. I didn't want to listen to what anybody said. I didn't want to get a sponsor. Um, I didn't want to talk to people. You know, I wanted to develop my own food plan. Um, and I went to a lot of meetings, I read a little bit of literature, and the seed was planted, sort of. I came in and out, in and out, I did that, I did low-fat diets, I did gyms, I did everything to avoid working the steps, because, you know, I was brand new and I thought right away I had to do a step four, and I was afraid to be honest with anyone about what was going on for me. And it took, you know, a lot of weight, a lot of pain, a few really, really bad relationships, and then I sort of like hit bottom probably when I was about 31, almost 32. Um, I stopped dating for a while, for about a year after a bad relationship, and I slowly started coming back to OA. And I'm really grateful for one of my friends in Philadelphia started a program on the East Coast, and she just kept calling me, um, and just calling just to check in. I'd be on the phone with her and, you know, I would just, she would be talking, you know, just checking up on me, seeing if I wanted to go to a meeting. I'd be binging on the phone, like trying to hide it from her. And it's amazing how I would hide everything from myself and thought people didn't see. Like I was like 265, 280 pounds, and I thought people didn't know, that they just thought it was like some gland thing because I was lying to myself. And when I came back to OA, I was pretty beaten down. I got a normal food plan that would help me with physical recovery and I committed to, to get a sponsor because the same things, the program was the same as it was 10 years before, you know, get a sponsor, work the steps, have a reasonable food plan. And I found someone um, and I asked him within a week to be my sponsor and 
He said, well, the only thing, you have to be willing to check in with me, you have to be willing to work the steps. And that's sort of what changed my life. You know, I'd been in program, I had a food plan that I was working, I had lost a lot of weight before that, and they told me, stay out of relationships, because people knew I had a, a thing with relationships, and especially in, your, in my first year, there's so much work to be abstinent that I had nothing to give anyone. And I was crazy and attracting crazy people, and I couldn't see that until after I was abstinent for a few years. Um, so I started working with him, and the first thing I was honest about was my weight, because I lied to myself about it. I lied on my driver's license. Anyone who asked me, I was always like 10 or 20 pounds lighter than I was. And so we started just working on a food history and getting a little bit honest about that. And I would go to a lot of meetings in the beginning. I was doing nine, probably I did more than 90 and 90. I didn't have any sense of spirituality. I grew up in a household where, you know, for 12 years I went to religious schools um, or schools taught in religion. I mean, in, in religions taught in school. Um, but there was no sense of connectedness. And I didn't think my higher power cared about me. Being gay was a big thing where I sort of rejected my religion. And so I came in and I started out with just the rooms being my higher power because there was something there, the group of people that, especially the people every time I came back were still there, were still abstinent, were still at a reasonable weight. Because when I came in, that's all I could see. I was almost 300 pounds. And the, my first priority was just the weight because it was killing me. And I was, I couldn't even go up a flight of steps without like huffing and puffing. I'd have chest pains in the middle of the night and I worried whether or not I was going to even make it to my 32nd birthday. So the, the rooms became a higher power and because I didn't have one, I had to go to meetings a lot. I had to commit a lot to not eating certain foods, you know, um, at the meetings. My sponsor taught me to talk to other people because he was traveling a lot. So not to make him a higher power, because I could easily make other people higher powers. And through working step two, I got to that point and I had a problem, you know, because you know, I didn't want the God of my, my childhood. And, um, you know, I, with two and three, I kept saying, well, you know, I don't want to turn my will over to a higher power. And then people explained to me, you know, when they knew my story, knew me a little bit, I was turning my will over to food, you know, several times a day. You know, when I, when I was, anything that came up, whether it was good or bad, you know, I, I would turn to food. Or in a relationship, if I would give up all of my power to a boyfriend or a partner, I was giving up, you know, my partner was a higher power. When I was in program before the last time, after I had lost a significant amount of weight after six months, I started dating right away, and that person quickly became my higher power. The only tools I was working was a food plan, meetings, and doing some reading, a little bit of prayer, and that quickly went away just to, because I wanted to please that person. Um, so I started talking to people who had a strong program and were absent in a long time, and they had some type of higher power. So I started just asking them about it, and. I learned that I could start very small with something that, and that's what I did, something that cared about me, loved me unconditionally, and was stronger than the disease, and it couldn't be myself, and it couldn't be another person. And I started just acting 
as if that existed for me. And like talking to the higher, you know, that higher power, my concepts, and I started writing. I would freak out from time to time because I thought, it, you know, if I was meditating, I should be able to picture this higher power. And to this day, I can't picture any higher power. And, you know, I've been abstinent now um, about eight years. And, you know, my weight's been consist- consistently within, like, a five-pound range during that time. And that's all due to the steps and to higher power because I know how to be, like, 300 pounds. I know how to be, you know, 30 pounds lighter and all over the place. Um, but I don't know how to be this weight and deal with life and not pick up without that. And um, I just, from that small beginning, that was enough to sort of, and it worked somehow. You know, I sort of started acting as if, and I would just start with the food and turning that over because that's all I could trust at that point. And at that point, you know, I always thought that, you know, if I had the corner office, if I had certain amount of income and a certain location I was living, you know, everything would be fine. The body was another thing, too, but um, when I came back in the program, I had the office. I was working like 70 hours a week. The office overlooked the city. I was making a ton of money, and I was miserable, and I was binging, and none of that fixed because I thought that would fix it. Every time I moved like probably six times when I was in Philadelphia, thinking the next apartment was going to what fixed it or the relationship would fix it. And the truth is it's only the steps and just coming to meetings and, you know, doing the basics that it says that, that fixed it, you know, each day. And um, so on a daily basis now, I usually wake up and I do some type of prayer, um, usually thanking my higher power for just a lot of the stuff that I have because when – I was in the food, you know, I'd wake up each day and I either didn't want to go to work. A lot of times I wanted to, you know, just end it because of the pain of it all. And um, I do some, I try to do some type of meditation each morning. I don't always do it. Uh, My sponsor has me doing 10 steps. She recommends once or twice a day where I just list, you know, my fears and just, you know, even if it's good things, just put I have fear that. And we, we go through that a couple times a week. And, you know, from different friends in program, I learned to do that also if I'm, like, crazy at work. Sometimes just writing it down or shooting an email helps me. And the writing helps me connect with my higher power also. And um, the meditation helps me slow down. And I'll, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's really hard. Um, I turned 40 last week, and the few months leading up to it, I thought, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine with it. And the whole time was, I was like starting to do other crazy things because I wasn't dealing with any of it. And then finally when I started writing and connecting more with my higher power and then sitting and forcing myself to meditate, that's when everything that was there that I wasn't dealing with sort of came up. And somehow doing that and talking to people, you know, I, I noticed what the issues were and I didn't have to eat over it. And... Um, it wasn't easy, and some of it, I'm still not used to saying I'm 40 years old, and to some people that's young, and to a lot of people, especially in the gay community, that's like really old. Um, so, um, I think I've entered the old daddy phase um, in the gay community. Um, but the longer I'm in program, like, it, you know, my spirituality keeps growing. What I turn over to my higher power grows, and I've learned a lot just 
from different people in program, like how they do their meditation, how they do their spirit, you know, do their prayers. And even from sponsees, just one of my sponsees sometimes just when he's in a bad place, pictures himself just like laying in the lap of his higher power, just like almost like a child being taken care of. Because that's the part of step three that I forgot for a couple of years was just it's the care of my higher power and not just I'm turning it over and then my higher power is going to leave me. And um, I've had to do step fours just um, about my higher power because there was so much I didn't trust. And over the years, it's growing more and more, but there's still, you know, a lot more there. And um, so I don't know why it works, but somehow, you know, it's worked and it's kept me, you know, reasonably sane over the past eight years. And there's a lot of people in program who who have more of what I want. So I look forward to growing that more. I'm going to be taking more meditation classes um, that my sponsor does just to sort of grow that a little bit more also. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Joe. And now please welcome our speaker, Maggie. Hi, everybody. I'm Maggie, a compulsive reader. I'm really happy to be here. I'm excited to be with you guys, and I love this program. I really do. I love the feeling of community and support that I get, and uh, just all the tools that are in the program. That they're walk- we are all walking this path together. Um, let me uh, let's see. I'll qualify. <laughs> so uh, I I came into OA just four years ago. And I'll be 72 in September, so I just want to tell you that it's never too late. <laughs> and it's never too late to grow and uh, to find a better way of living. Um, I was in a, I have been and still am in another 12-step program. It's been 26 years now. So I was familiar with the 12 steps, and I feel like uh, what's happened for me is that I backed, I really backed into OA. I just backed into it. So it's kind of a backward <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and it's fine. It worked for me. I don't regret anything about my past and the way my life has unfolded. It, it's just been fine. I'm just really grateful that I've been able to grow and find my way out of what wasn't working in my life. Um, so to qualify, I've been abstinent for about three and three quarters years and I came into a how OA program and I still follow that and I weigh and measure my food and I'm on a maintenance program. Did I say I'm maintaining about 40 pounds weight loss? Um, so I wanted to give you a quote. I, I was looking through my little books of prayer, which I, I have a little stack that I, I read and, and kind of meditate with every morning. And uh, one of I looked up something on meditation in one of our little OA readers, and it's in the quote was the only way to do meditation wrong is not to do it at all, and I really like that uh, because I'm sure I've <laughs> I've experimented with meditation a lot uh, to tell you how it was, what happened and um, how it is today. Let me focus on the spirituality meditation part of it. 
So when I first discovered, like 26 years ago, a 12-step program, I didn't embrace it. I was just so desperate, I was willing to keep coming back. I definitely didn't embrace it. It terrified me. Um, <laughs> but there seemed to be like no place else to go that was offering me any help. So at least I had that little bit of willingness. And I was so anxious at that time around, uh, I, I'm an Al-Anon person. Al-Anons do anxiety very well. I come from a very anxious family. And, and in my family, I can trace back generations of addiction and the compulsive behavior. And I think anxiety goes with that, you know. And I was just so anxious. I, so shortly after I came into my original 12-step program, almost 26 years ago, I went to this retreat, and I was just sitting there listening to the speaker. And some woman turned to me and said, you are very hard to sit next to. <laughs> Your energy is so frantic. And uh, I remember, you know, I was desperate, I'll tell you that. I, I used to, I, I made myself a little altar right away. I knew I needed to do something. So just anything, you know, concrete and grounded, I put my little altar out. But I could not meditate for three seconds. I mean, I could not hold myself steady for three seconds. I was just coming out of my skull, you know. And... Um, if, you know, we keep going to meetings, we hear things. And uh, one of the things uh, that I heard in a meeting, some woman shared how anxious she was. Well, that word got my attention. I could relate to it. And she shared how she had discovered this thing called yoga. I had no idea what that was. But it rang a little bell in my head, and, and I followed up on it. And I eventually started taking yoga classes. And I think I needed to calm my body and my mind down before I could even sit down and meditate. And um, so I was willing to go do that. That was a good foundation. Calm the body down. Calm the breathing down. You know, kind of get back in my body. Actually, in my recovery process, I ended up doing, oh, like years and years of body work just to bring me back into my body, get me in touch with my body. And uh, that still didn't fix food, but <clears throat> it started to help me heal uh, a lot of other things, just stuff that was just my anxiety, fears to let go and let God and, uh, and to figure out what a spiritual life is, what does it mean to be spiritual? To me today, what it means is um, that I do have some conscious contact. I have conscious contact with a higher power. And it's not me, like the me who I think I am. <laughs> yeah. It's never who I think I am, you know. So it's, it's I'm having contact with a, a higher power. And I, the only way I can do that is, it has been over the years, is through spiritual practice. And for me, that, that hasn't been easy. I love the 12-step programs because it, it uses a lot of other things that has kind of calmed me down and helped me begin to be healed, like listening to other people sharing, listening to little parts of what works for them, what can I identify with. Um, prayer has been easier for me than meditation. Prayer, and I love prayer. I pray a lot today. What I did uh, early in my other program was I memorized a set of prayers that were suggested in 12-step. One is the serenity prayer. Of course, I'd known the Our Father. Um, the other one was the prayer of St. Francis, make me a channel of the grace. 
I said that. I said those every day. And it was only when I came into OA that I added the third step prayer. <laughs> so OA has given me a lot. And I know I needed to let go and let God. And in many levels of my life, I had. My life was pretty good. But all my life, underneath all of that, there was always this eating thing. So eating food was always my response to anxiety. So all the anxiety didn't go away, like all our other speakers said, this is a process. And um, so there were, you know, there was always stuff. Stuff is always going to happen. I mean, life doesn't become like no problems anymore. <laughs> There's always stuff. I think a lot of the promises, I know a lot of the promises have come true, and I, I attribute that to being able to have this path to walk. Um, but that doesn't mean that hard things don't come down in my life. They do. I have tools today to deal with them. But before I came into OA, if the anxiety level got too high or I'm kind of like a word, I'm compulsive. Let's face it. I'm just wired that way. It's just the way it is. It's, it's a given. So I'd be compulsively working or doing too much or something like that would make me anxious. Well, then what's, what's the, where do you turn? Food. So that's what I mean. It was a holdout. I had done a lot of work, so I wasn't being driven nuts by a lot of, I had a lot of other tools, but I was still using food. And I had exhausted money, time, effort, energy <laughs> on going to so many food plans, so many different kinds of hypnosis, so many whatever. And one of the things that had happened to me was that I had come to surrender and to accept the way I was no matter what. And that, I mean, my physical being no matter what. And I was like 40 pounds overweight. And um, I was starting to have, my dad had died of a uh, stroke, but he lived for two years after his major stroke. And it was not a pretty picture, and it had to do with, um, my dad was not obese, but it was, we have heart trouble. It runs in our family, and of course, you know, obesity contributes to the heart trouble. So that got my attention, and then my, I noticed my cholesterol was way up there, and there were other health problems that were developing, and it was scary. And uh, that and just a series of events that led me to be willing to come into OA and and to be willing to just kind of like deal with it one step at a time. Just just do the next step. Just do the next right thing that was given to me to be willing. And I'm not saying it's easy. It hasn't it hasn't always been easy, but there has been the gift of willingness there. And I'm really, really grateful for that. And well, the other thing that's happened since I've come into OA is well, what had happened right before that is that I had kind of fallen out of the habit of doing a I say prayer all day long, and I always say the prayers that I know, and I talk to God. <laughs> and I think God, I know God talks back to me. He talks back to me in many forms, in the events of my life, in the little miracles in my life, through other people, you know. But I had given up practice, which I think gives you really solid base. You know, it's just that lack of self-discipline. And by going to meetings and listening to other people, I found that the people I really admired um, were people that took the time to practice doing prayer and meditation. And so gradually I did, I have become willing. Um, through the years, as far as meditation is concerned, um, 
my mind got how necessary it was. You know, like I got it. But it has always not been, like, easy for me. I don't go into this immediate blissful state of stillness. It's just not that way. <laughs> when I have the willingness to do it anyway. And um, also... My part of my compulsivity has been, you know, uh, compulsively trying to figure out how to do it. <laughs> so, so I've had a lot of teachers and I've learned a lot of methods and experimented with stuff and it's changed over time. And um, but my higher power has always sent to me some kind of a really good teacher, kind of a general spiritual teacher outside of 12-step that kind of embodies all the principles but, you know, has also kind of worked with meditation and so I've done a lot of work in groups and I I'm a, I can meditate well when I'm in a group of people when I'm on my own it doesn't go as well <laughs> so it's like um but I have been willing to do that today I go to a retreat I try to go to a meditation retreat a couple of times a year and I have a weekly group of women and they're not 12 well one of them is 12 steps but they're women who are walking a spiritual path. And we meditate together and then we share. And um, that helps me because I'm in a group of people that are all doing it together. It takes whatever it takes. And um, also in the morning today, I'm, you know, it's, it's not that hard for me to uh, just do my reading and then just get kind of quiet. And uh, not have such a busy mind. And actually what I found is that to the degree I do that, the easier it is for me to be abstinent. Because when I have a really busy mind and I'm getting scattered and I'm out there with this and that and the other thing, I, I could, I, what I do is lose my focus and I lose my groundedness and I lose my, um, it's an awareness. And I find that without daily practice that I am more, I'm mean, like, I'm aware of my thoughts. Like, I could be in the kitchen fixing my obstinate meal, laying and measuring it, and I'm going, okay, we could throw a little extra of this or that in, and what would be the harm if we did that little thing, you know? But I catch it, and I'll go, no, wait a minute. What are you doing here? You know, at least I have that awareness, and then the ability to stop and then make another choice and go, because I know where, I mean, I'll get away with it today, but I know where it will lead me down the road. And um, other ways that just a consistent practice has helped me is um, just, de- I mean, I, I used to be, I used to be the most awful worrier. I lay in bed and just spin on whatever, the problem of the moment, which usually had to do with my family. <laughs> they gave me plenty of material <laughs> to work with. And they still, they still kind of do. But, but I don't, and when I, the way I broke through that, and I did break through it before I came into OA, but I, it's still an issue for me, is I found this prayer. It was a prayer of protection in a church I go to, uh, which is the light of God surrounds you, the love of God enfolds you, the power of God protects you, the presence of God watches over you. Wherever you are, God is. And so whenever that person would come to mind as I lay in my bed worrying, I would just visualize them and do the prayer <laughs> compulsively over and over again. And lo and behold, I would go to sleep and I'd be calm and I'd wake up. And I found that over time, I, that, I was worrying less, less, and less, and less. And today things still, 
You know, when I see things in my family that I just look at it and I go, oh, my God, I wish I wasn't there. You know, really, it's kind of awful. Um, I, I, I don't spin with it. You know, I, I use it as an opportunity to pray for the, for the person. But I, but I have to be aware of myself, and I have to remember to pray, and I have to remember to kind of have conversations with myself. Like, come on, Maggie. If you know you got through your recovery and you were nuts and, you know, you, you could hardly stay in your own skin and now today you have a really good life, why would, why could that not happen for somebody else, you know? Why, you know, why are you letting yourself go there? So just pray for them. And, and so in a way that's my way of letting go and letting God. And, um, I, I can't tell you that I love meditation. <laughs> I love my quiet time in the morning. It's the most delicious time of the day. And I've had to get up earlier. I am not a morning person, but I care so much about it. I'm actually willing to get up early. And I stagger into the kitchen and get my coffee and throw cold water in my face. <laughs> and, then, and then when I get, I get to go, go back to my room and sit and read my spiritual reading and sit and just be quiet with myself and pray and have some quiet moments. It's not a concentrated meditation. I have a really busy life. <laughs> Um, but I think what's happening for me, too, is that, um, how am I doing on time with the timekeeper? Okay. Um, I, I think that I'm, I'm, like, I feel a lot of times during the day, well, I just notice things, that I'm kind of in a meditative space during the day anyway. And prayer comes naturally anyway, so it feels like it's a little tapestry that gets kind of woven into the day. Like, again, I have a new Prius, and I love it. I'm very possessive of it. My last two new cars, uh, I had them each about for a month and had an accident in them, so I was kind of freaked (laughs) about, here's my new car. So so whenever I get in my car, I just say the prayer of protection, (laughs) and then I drive comfortably. (laughs) Um, the other way I've woven prayer in is just like if I'm on the freeway and I hear um, like a siren or something like that, I'll put my hand on my heart and I'll pray for whoever that is. Or if I hear something on the news that somebody is going through a lot of pain or something, I'll stop and I'll pray for them. Um, and that actually helps me. It's an amazing thing. It's very helpful. It reminds me that I'm just one of many people and that we can all you know, heal one another, really. Um, and I pray for myself, too. Like, when I pray, when there's, a, like, a rotten family situation, which we have a couple of those right now, um, I'll pray for each individual, and then I'll, like, visualize myself with them. And I pray for me in the circle of all of that, so I don't become, you know, resentful and hateful, which I really... Don't want to do, but I, I feel myself veering off in that direction at times. And I don't want to go there because it's not going to help anything. And it's just going to heat me up, and, you know, tear me up. Um, I have a, when I was reading one of my little meditation, meditative books, I uh, cut out this quote and I taped it on my bathroom mirror. And it's been there for about like four years. I just retaped, I reprinted it on the computer and taped it up and I read it. And I re- so I get to read it several times a day. <laughs> I love it. 
Um, so it was a quote that it was above one of our readings. It's uh, from St. Francis de Sales. And it says, it's kind of archaic language, but I love the message. Do not lose your inward peace for anything whatsoever. Even if your whole world seems upset, command all to God and be still and be at rest in his bosom. So in many ways, I feel like Joe's Bonfit. <laughs> you know, I can just see myself just in the heart of God, basically. You know, time is up. So thanks. Thank you very much, Maggie. Uh, now is the time for open sharing. We have time for five positive sharing on the topic of meditation and spirituality. And those of you five who have a burning desire to share, would you just come on down, line up, and come up one at a time? Don't break your necks tripping over each other. Okay. Well, there's one brave lady, and it's very important that you sign the speaker release form. Each of you has three minutes to share, and our timer will let you know. And uh, while our people are sharing, Mike will be circulating the Ask It basket for you to write questions for our panel. I, I know our panel doesn't have all the answers, but I know that you have all the questions. So will our first victim come up? I'm Karen. I'm a great friend of the Kevin Commercial Reader. And uh, every day, every day I get to choose between worshiping food and worshiping God. And every day I get to choose. And I've chosen... God, because I've learned that I can't get wisdom from a donut. I can't get self-acceptance from a piece of pizza or guidance you know, from ice cream. It doesn't work that way. I, you know, I can I, I can only get um, what I need to do life, you know, through my relationship with my higher power. When I work step two, some of you probably. I've heard or used the perfect friend exercise where I, I chose, I, I said, what do I, what would I need from a very perfect friend? A perfect friend who would, who would be with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, would always be there, would give me perfect love and perfect guidance and wisdom, would accept me no matter what, and would gently guide and direct me. And the list went on and on and on about what would this perfect friend be like? Well, as you know, the perfect friend is my higher power, always there. And um, and so that's that's just kind of my, how I how I do my spirituality. I um I I love the prayer for protection. <laughs> I know that's not the program, but um, I just wanted to to say that um, my and my higher power isn't me, but lives within me and connects me to. Um, not only to, to, to spirit, but to everyone, to every, you know, to every person, all, all of you. There's just this, there's just this connection that when I, when I stay with spirit and be with, with my higher power, then I feel that connection. Um, the last thing I wanted to say is that, that prayer, I don't think prayer changes God. Prayer changes me. Prayer 
changes me when I say, God, you know, I offer myself to Thee. You know, that changes me. And sometimes I do the uh, serenity prayer as an affirmative prayer. You know, I have the serenity to accept the things. I have the courage to change the things I can. So it's like affirming what what is. So that's just a little bit of my spirituality. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Carol, a compulsive overeater. So glad to be here. Thank you very much to all of you. And um, I live in a really isolated area, so I go to a lot of meetings on the phone, and it's amazing to see live compulsive overeaters. <laughs> oh, so cool. And getting hugs is amazing, too. Um, for me, partly because of that isolation, but partly just because it's what's um, been taught to me and what's worked in program really well. I, I have a practice every day of meditating, and I'm really lazy um, and, uh, and tend to be, to be really hyper-disciplined in some areas and not disciplined in all in others, so I meditate before I get up out of bed. I just meditate in bed, and because that way I know it's done for the day. And a lot of times I struggle with insomnia, and I actually meditate when I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and can't go back to sleep. And you know, it, that sometimes that's my best contact with, with my higher power, with God. But as other people were talking, I realized how many different ways there are of meditation. I meditate when I go out for a walk in the woods. I meditate a lot when I prepare my meals and when I eat them. That's how I know when I'm full. I sit, I pray before I eat. You know, I make a commitment about what I'm going to eat, and I pray while I'm eating, and I meditate, too, and I'll check in with the higher power and with my body and say, am I full? So sometimes, miracle of miracles, I don't eat everything on my plate, you know, because I, I get full. And, um, and those kinds of things have been taught to me here, you know, from listening to people at meetings. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say is something that happened to me yesterday. Uh, I came, I, I work in Yosemite, and um, I uh, came by myself. There's nobody else around that I know of. I'd love to find somebody, but uh, so if anybody knows anybody <laughs> up in Yosemite who's in the program, please tell them about me. But anyway, I drove here by myself, and I went to have dinner. And during dinner, I just said a prayer to my higher power. There are two things, God, that I really love to have you know, during this convention. I'd love to see this friend that I haven't seen for a really long time and lost track of her. And I would love to find someone in the profession that I'm in. Um, and both of them are happen to be sitting here this morning. Um, so within about 20 minutes of that prayer, I had seen the friend and um, the person who registered me for the convention is in the profession I'm in. And so it's just, it's amazing when those little pieces of, you know, pieces, I call them God stories, I collect them because they remind me when I'm down that I'm not alone, you know. And, you know, they don't, things don't always work out like that. Sometimes I'll pray for things and they don't happen, oh well, you know, that's how it goes. Um, and now it's time for me to be quiet. Thanks. <laughs> Well, I'm very nervous. My name is Judith, and I'm a compulsive overeater. This is the first convention I've come to. I've been in OA about a year and a half. But I've been in a spiritual uh, practice for probably since um, the middle 70s. 
and I was raised Jewish, and I go to a Church of Religious Science, which is a philosophy of Ernest Holmes, which is very positive thinking. And along with that, I got into a meditation group. So meditation becomes fairly easy to me. I have found that to meditate, I chant. I used to have a mantra, and now I've made serenity my mantra. And it really works for me. I meditate about 20 minutes every morning that I possibly can. And I pray a lot. And in addition to praying, when I notice something good, you know, I get that great parking place right in front of where I want to go, I always say, thank you, God. I appreciate that. So I think giving gratitude to God, my higher power, is really important. Um, I also have two prayer partners and we pray for each other through uh, email. We send our prayers for the week. And I, uh, six years ago, I had open heart surgery. And I was in this meditation group at the time. And they all prayed for me. And my recovery from my surgery was very quick. Uh, the surgery went really well. Knock on wood, I'm, I'm fairly healthy. And I'm working on my abstinence. And I pray for the willingness to be abstinent, and I just got a rebounder, so I've been rebounding and praying for the willingness to do that. So I know that God is with me, that I'm held in God's arms, and I also visualize that, and I certainly love and appreciate this program and my sponsor and everybody that just gives so much support and love uh, through this program. So I love you all. And I thank you. Namaste. Hi, everybody. My name is Lynn, and I'm a real compulsive overeater. <laughs> it's really good to be here today. It's an awesome way to start a Saturday morning. I'm so glad I'm abstinent, and, and I have a higher power in my life today, because prior to recovery, like, I was as good as I got, you know, and, and that's just, that didn't work for me. It stopped working for a long time, and you know, I'm one of those people in meditation. I, I, was, I love to pray, pray a lot. And uh, when I got to step 11 in terms of meditation, it was really hard for me because I was like when we did group meditations in school and things, I was the one that had one eye open seeing who else had their eyes open because there was no way you could be that quiet for that long. And, uh, and I, I just couldn't do it. And, and my sponsors, you know, suggested, you know, start small, you know, 30 seconds. It's okay. And I wanted to do it so right. You know, I wanted it to be perfect. And, and today, you know, I realize that, that I'm going to have these thoughts come in. I'm going to be trying to meditate and clear my mind, and it's just going to happen. And I can say, that's okay. You know, it's okay. You can come back later. I know you will. Um, and and it, just, it works for me. And, and also in terms of um, what's really neat is I used to say a while back I didn't have, like, big burning bush type spiritual experiences. And, you know, that's not actually true. It, it actually, the more I tapped into the power of, of my higher power that I choose to call God, um, I'll have these moments where I know, I know it's God saying, you know, hey, wake up, I'm here, you know, this is a subtle command disguised as a suggestion. And I'm so grateful for that, you know, I'm grateful for that, like, awareness that this is. And, and for me, you know, God speaks to the people in Overeaters Anonymous. You know, I could be praying on something and waiting for guidance, and it, it comes to me through the people in these rooms and people who have, you know, the common malady, but we have the common solution, and it's in the steps that has been so freely given to me by another member of this program. 
And I'm just so grateful. Because I used to say, like, I could be so much more spiritual if I didn't have to work. You know, if I could just, like, do recovery all the time. And and that's my best thinking on my unaided will. You know, it, it's that. And um, the other one is I just need to win lotto. You know, that's I don't know what I need. I only know what I want without the guidance of my higher power. So I'm so grateful to see you all here today. This is my first convention. And I'm just already, I'm so stoked. And thank you for being here. My name is Selma, and I'm recovering from compulsive overeating. Um, I just wanted to thank the panel for sharing, and um, I just want to say Maggie's one of the people I call when I really want a spiritual answer. Um, I've been in the program 28 years, and um, I'm finally getting to the point where I can really start to develop my concept of a higher power and... um, really get into, start really looking into what meditation is. And I say that because I read um, something recently by Deepak Chopra. Uh, He said something like, if you really want to know God, the path to knowing God is self-acceptance. And he didn't say it was meditation. And uh, I I felt really relieved at that because one of the hardest things I've had to work on is self acceptance in my life. And I realized when I read that, that that if I could just come to accept myself the way I am and, and embrace who I am, I would have a lot more peace inside. And the more peace I have, the more connected I am to God. And, um, and so when I hear, you know, people talk about their daily meditation practice, I immediately start to go to comparison. And um, I'm, I'm really... Um, I think I'm getting a lot closer to God now because I'm learning my mantra is, and that's okay, you know, for myself, and that's okay, and that's really okay. And I just wanted to share that because I I, I tend to sit in these um, meetings and, and compare myself a lot to what I'm not doing and how if I am doing it, it's not the right way. And um, getting relief from that is, is a spiritual experience for me. Thank you. Thank all of you who shared. Now it's time for our panel to answer as many of your questions as time permits, starting with Jane. And please come up to the mic. I'm Jane, a compulsive overeater. And the question is, for someone who has not meditated seriously or systematically, what would you suggest is a good way to begin? Um, I I, I would suggest... uh, at least the way that I started was using um, chapter 11 and the 12 and 12. It kind of suggests a, a way of getting some imagery going and the use of, of prayer and um, kind of the, the way to approach things. And that that was how I started. And then I found some people to kind of teach me. I, um, there were there were some people that that did various kinds of meditation um, in the in the first. Um, 12-step program I was involved with, and I would get go to some of their um, some of their meetings and use um, tapes and things like that that they used. So I think for me it was experimenting with different things. I I, I think yoga. Somebody was talking about the use of yoga as a way to begin. That that for me was also very helpful. So I, I guess that's my answer. Thank you. 
Okay, the question is, how do you make yourself meditate when things go well in your life? Um, With meditation, it's become sort of like um, almost habit, and things that make me remind me of it are just like going to meetings and my like checking in with my sponsor because she does it twice a day, and I don't meditate nearly as much as she does, but it's sort of some. Sometimes the trick for me is just to say to myself, well, I'm going to just do it for three minutes or five minutes, and then I'll decide after that if I'm going to do more than that. And, you know, sometimes I do three minutes, sometimes I'll do 20, so it all depends. And I'm pretty stubborn, and I like the way it makes me feel, so it's sort of it's sort of um, like that, I guess. Thanks. Well, in this meeting on spirituality, I guess higher power is working, so I got the question, would you repeat the prayer of protection? (laughs) Okay. It's the light of God surrounds me. The love of God enfolds me. The power of God protects me. The presence of God watches over me. Wherever I am, God is, and all is well. <laughs> Actually, some people add that last part. Okay. Thank you. Um, my question is: am, am I available as a sponsor? Um, and I, uh, you know, I am. I am available as a sponsor. Um, so the question was: Do I find it necessary to be sponsored by and sponsor only women since I'm gay? Um, my first sponsor who I had for probably six years um, was, was a man. He was also gay. And when I asked him to sponsor me, I didn't know that. Um, so I remember calling him and I was like, my voice was cracking. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm gay. And he's like, oh, I am too. And he just started laughing. Um, so, and I've, I've sponsored, you know, straight men. I've sponsored women. I've been sponsored, um, my current sponsor is a woman, so I, I think it's just necessary that, you know, I'm not attracted to that person so I can be honest with them and, um, you know, and that it works, you know, and you sort of know that as you're working with someone. I've got two because this one says, Maggie, would you please say the prayer of protection slowly? If somebody didn't get that up, why don't you see me out there? I'll write it down for you. Yeah. And this one goes, how about setting aside five to seven minutes for a period of meditation as a group? Well, you mean, you mean in your, <clears throat> any, any uh, 12-step group? I, I know a lot of 12-step groups. Uh, oh, here. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, we'd have to be willing to do it. I mean, how much time do we have? Yeah. Probably at the end of the session, anyone who wants to stay because there's a half hour break would be very welcome to stay and meditate. And there's nothing more powerful than group meditation. Okay. I'll, at the end of the session, I'll, I'll start it out for you guys, just kind of give you a, a, a start time. Okay. My question is give a short definition between praying and meditation. Um, and for me, the one that I've always um, uh, heard and uh, relate to is that praying is 
speaking to God, talking to God, and meditation is listening to God. And for, I, they, I think they kind of overlapped in there, but that's, that's the definition that I've heard. Um, could you please describe a form of meditation that works well for you? I'll just talk about the one that I started with in the beginning. Um, was just um, concentrating on my breath, going in and out, and then that was too difficult for me. So I would just um, count my breaths, like, you know, in one, out two, to ten, and then if I lost track, I'd start again. Um, and, you know, if just doing that, you know, five times, ten times, whatever, it was just a start to quiet my mind, and then I could just sit there, you know, maybe for a few minutes. Um, you know, without my mind wandering. So it's definitely a process, and I've done many different methods since then. Yoga definitely was another method that I used to help me to sort of do it just a little bit because I was so used to, you know, running from, you know, sitting in with myself. So, Can you specifically describe how you meditate? What are the different methods you've used? Well, that would go on forever, but... Um, what I'm doing now is my more recent teacher, but I love this teacher. He's great. And it seems so consistent with our program. So what he's asked us to do, I mean, you just keep showing up. and do, It's a practice. It's not the idea of, oh, now I'm doing it really well. It's just a practice. Sometimes it doesn't go well. That's okay. So uh, is to just kind of relax. Breathe, relax, and allow everything, everything, every thought, every feeling, whatever, but just don't follow them. Just don't follow them. Just don't follow them. Just re- just keep relaxing and being with whatever, but allow it to pass through. And so <clears throat> that helped, that's why I, I think that's helped me be meditative a lot during the day. The, the earliest method I used was I read it in a little book because I was so desperate. I got this little meditation book. But it was actually helpful. It said, visualize you are sitting on the side of a river, and the river is flowing. You can hear the river. You can see it flowing. And there's a tree that drops a leaf every once in a while. And the leaf is your thought. That's whatever thought comes into your mind. Or it could be an emotion or whatever. And just imagine the leaf passing through. You're sitting on the bank, and it's passing through and moving on. And so... You know, I would, I would allow my thought to be that leaf and just let it pass through and then just visualize that. Another one that's helped me is, I mean, I've got tons of them, but another one that's helped me is the word thing. It's calm and relaxed. So on the in-breath, it's calm. On the out-breath, it's relaxed. In-breath, calm. Out-breath, relaxed. So it's kind of hypnotic. <laughs> anyway, thanks. Be sure and stay for the after meeting meditation, and I'm sure Maggie will be happy to do that calm, relaxed breathing stuff for you. Uh, the one, one of the ones that I picked out was how does your spiritual practice help you to let go of resentment? And um, um, I think for me, um, praying for willingness to see my part um, is uh, how my spiritual practice helps me let go of resentment. Once I can really clear, be clear about what my part is in the problem, then it seems to kind of evaporate, and, um, or it loses its power anyway, and I, and I can move on. 
So that that's kind of where that one is for me. Thank you. We're in pockets here for a moment. Says to describe, please, how your relationship with your higher power has changed from, I guess, your your first year recovery or abstinence to the present. Um, it's changed tremendously. Um, I, like I said before, I start with something very, very small that I could deal with, and as I recovered more and more, I would trust more and more to my higher power. First, the food, then work then a little bit of family stuff, like with my parents. And as I worked the steps more and more, um, my sponsor knew I had problems with relationships, so he used that to get me through the steps. Basically said, after you get through step seven, who you attract would be better, your relationship would be better. So I sort of blew through like step four, step five, six, six, and seven. And, you know, I didn't really do six and seven the best way, and I went back to them over and over. But I think the, the more of the steps that I worked and the more I tried, um, I trusted my higher power more and trusted that more and took more time. The other thing also was people would tell me it was like a friendship or any other relationship. Like if you were dating someone or a relationship, you know, married or whatever, and you were spending like two seconds with that person, the relationship wouldn't really be good. So I started to spend more and more time with my higher power, either praying or meditating or writing and that sort of you know developed the relationship more and somehow my food got easier and easier as time went on because of that thank you very much. okay wow uh, when I volunteered to moderate I was asked which workshop I wanted to moderate and I said, oh, I don't really have a preference. Just give me whatever one you pick, and it will be exactly the one that I need. And it was. And I hope it was for all of you. Uh, now it's time to close this session. I do so reluctantly because it's been a very powerful experience for me personally. Let us thank our speakers, everyone who shared. done service for this session and for this wonderful, wonderful convention experience. And if you would please hook up, join hands, stand up, hook up, join hands, and we will close the meeting with the OA promise, I put my hand in yours. And who would like to lead us? Who has memorized the OA promise, I put my hand in yours? Everybody see that young lady over there with her hand up? Okay. She will start us. <laughs>